Morning, Missio. It's good to see y'all. Yeah. Well, as you know, I was on a sabbatical this summer, and uh, I stepped back in Thursday, September 1st. Dropped the kids off at school, jump into my car after dropping Otis off. Siri's talking to me here. Uh, drove into the, the lower parking lot here, and I began to uh, just admire the work that had already been done on the, the rental property. I thought, man, this is beautiful. This is awesome. So grateful for Birch and those that had a hand in that. And then I turned and looked at this side of the building. The roof had just been finished, I was told, on Tuesday. And I looked and thought, man, this is popping. You know what I mean? Like, when you drive in, 80% of this building is roof, right? And before, it was like, eh. And so I just was like, this is amazing, right? The color on the outside, the roof, everything. And so then I drove around this side and I came up here. Now, man, those red doors pop. This all looks amazing. Stuff's still in process. That's okay. And I get out of my car and I start walking towards the front door and I went, I don't have my keys. I can't even get into this place. Like, I know I can walk over to the contractor box and get my key, but that's just not right. I got to go home. Luckily, I live close and grab my keys. But before I jumped in the car, I texted the board and I just confessed that. I said, hey, guess what? I've already failed on my first day. Like, you sure you want me back? And we had a good laugh about it. And I texted a buddy of mine who's a pastor and kind of had been praying for me throughout leading up to sabbatical and then in sabbatical. And he just said, what a beautiful picture of you actually being able to unplug and rest this summer. And um, I, I, in sharing that, I just thank you, Missio, that, that I got to do that. Um, I'd be remiss not to be up here this first week and just extend some thank yous. I am deeply grateful uh, that my family and I got to step out and do sabbatical. Um, really grateful that um, we had a building restoration team that helped in the process of, of moving things along here. And I'll speak to that in a second. Super grateful for a design and decor team, again, that was a part of making decisions and moving things along. Uh, extremely grateful for a group that uh, rallied around Dan and his interim role for Missio Kids and gave great support and input and feedback. Thank you so much. Everybody just that came together in that regard. Uh, ministry board, thanks for your faith, your, your courage, your encouragement throughout the summer at different times. Um, staff team, uh, Kelly, Vicky, Dan in his interim role, Joel, thank you guys so much. Um, I remember the, the last staff meeting prior, Kelly was kind of joking and he was like, yeah, and when you come back, there might be something still here. And I was able just to look at them and go, you know, I have no fear of that at all. You guys are awesome. And I know that it's not about me. God's in our midst. God's in this community. God's in each of you leading. God's in each person here that's part of this community. And so just grateful for what the staff team did to lead. And um, yeah, you as a, as a whole, Missio community, thank you. Thanks for your love and support for my family. And it was really fun to bump into different people in our community, DMV, Costco, grocery store, in a park. Like It was just fun throughout the summer. And it just reminded me how much this really is a community. Like this is a family, a family that lives together within our city, uh, seeking to follow Jesus together and embody uh, the values of, of his love and his kingdom. And it was really fun just to get to do that in different ways with different members of, of, our, of our community and our family. So thank you so much for that. Um, the goal today is that I uh, want to share some of the experience and learning from, from my sabbatical. Um, partly I want to do that just because um, it, it's an easy way to do in a sense to kind of share what happened you know and avoid having to tell stories a hundred times but also because i i do believe that my my rest is is part of our community's rest that, that my health and my wholeness is part of our community's wholeness and in the same regard it's not just because it's it's me but each of us we're interconnected right and so as each of us gets to lean into the lord in different ways of obedience and experience things that's that's our communal health that's our communal sharing so i want to do that um one thing i, I just i want to address 
first real quick. An apology. Uh, when I had stepped out, you know, spring was setting up and mapping out construction and the whole plan and all that stuff. And contractors looked at me and said, yeah, we think we can do this in three months. And I foolishly came to you and said, it's a three-month window. Now, I've been a part of enough construction projects and all of that stuff that I know when a contractor tells you it's three months, you got to really plan that it's going to be six months. Do you know what I'm saying? And so for me standing up here in May and saying, hey, yeah, over the summer, I'm sorry if I set a false expectation. Um, it's still in process, and I'm, I'm fully okay with that. As times I've stepped in and different ones of you have apologized and said, sorry, it's not finished. We wanted you to kind of be able to slide in and not have to deal with you guys. It's not, again, it's okay. So if, if any of you just feel the tension of that, whether it's for me or for yourself, I just want to invite us all to embrace, like, this is normal, this is reality, and we're really close, okay? We're in process, it's really close. And what I care far more than, honestly, the progress and the restoration of the physical things of this building is, like, the relational restoration and what, what, what's, what's happening to us in the process and journey of this. You guys follow with me? That's far more important, is, is how are we functioning? How is God refining us? What's God doing in us as people to restore more so than how's God, how, how are people restoring a physical building? Any amens to that? Okay. Well, and I'll talk about more about that next Sunday at fall kind of lunch. But yeah, I think to, to start, again, the most morning, the goal is to just share some of my learnings. And to start, what I want to do is um, just share some pictures. I think if, if you were to ask me to um, like summarize summer in kind of two words or in, in one sentence, it would be that God really invited me to learn how to live more fully into both my brokenness and my belovedness. How do I, as Dominic, live into more fully like my brokenness and my belovedness or my belovedness in light of my brokenness? And so I'm going to share some pictures just to kind of give you a sense of here's a little bit of what we did as a family. Uh, and then I'll share, I got like two highlighted learnings that I, I wanted to share with you and we'll open scripture briefly. Um, but yeah, here's, here's, you know, go, going into sabbatical, um, we had the goal as a family just to do like three, three trips. We had three months, and so one trip each month, and not try to get too crazy, but I was encouraged by my spiritual director and mentors, you know, get out of town a little bit, right? Don't just spend it all here. Get out of town, go see some things, have your worldview expanded and all that. So uh, one of the first things we did um, in uh, June was that we rented an RV for the week. Now, we, we love camping, or the boys and I love camping. My wife camps out of love for us. Um, but one of the things that Otis turned seven in June and um, he, we had kind of talked, I said, hey, what do you want to do? Like, I'm off this summer for your birthday. What would you like to do? And he said, dad, I'd love to go to Crater Lake. He's never been. I've never been. We've read about it. We've looked at it. My wife went as a kid, but it was like, you know, first family trip to Crater Lake. And so we rented an RV for a week and I don't know if you have pictures for me or no, if not, it's okay. Um, you can put up the first one of Otis sitting in the RV and, uh, yeah, we, we rented this RV and. Oh, yeah, you guys have it here. I don't have it here. Okay, forgive me. Um, this is Otis. We went and picked up the RV together, and this is Otis giving you the peace sign. And he's, he was pretty stoked um, that we were about to just go and have this adventure to celebrate his seventh year of life. Um, I think there's another picture of um, RV boy family. No? Anyway, that's kind of talking. You, you flip as you can. Um, what we did on our RV trip is we, we went from... Um, we, 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 went, we went from Portland down to Eugene. We spent a night in Eugene, and then we spent uh, two nights over at Diamond Lake, which is like kind of the closest you can get really to Crater Lake. There was still snow and stuff. We weren't even sure what the roads would be open or not. Um, and then we went up to Smith Rock. We went to Bend. We went to Hood River, and we came back. And that was the week of celebrating Otis's birthday. Really fun, really beautiful. Um, I, 
cried when I saw Crater Lake. It was just so breathtaking. Um, we pulled in, and I'll explain a little more later why that was such an emotional moment, too. Um, but that was a gift. Uh, Diamond Lake was awesome. If you've never been to Diamond Lake or Crater Lake, like I've, been in, I've been in Oregon now for, it was 22 years, and I'd never been to Crater Lake. So like, it was totally about time. I would encourage any of you, don't, don't wait that long. Like, it's amazing. It's the only national park we have in our state. Go. It's beautiful. Um, Crater Lake. And then after that, we, we did a lot of just, you know, kind of random little family getaways, really fun stuff, the beach, camping. Uh, one of the things I've always wanted to do, one of my bucket list things, if you will, uh, was to go to Alaska. I've got a really good friend up there. He actually was the one that officiated our wedding, and he's invited me for years to come up to Alaska. He does ministry up there, and he said, come and partner with us. And you know, like on a week or whatever. And I just never could do it. Just felt so long so far. Uh, we ended up going to Alaska. There's a picture. Yeah, that's my buddy, Mike, uh, who mentored me in college and then, yeah, officiated our wedding. Um, there's another picture. You want to show the, the, his backyard? Um, he, they, have, they built this Airbnb above their garage and they host people. It's, it's a really successful Airbnb. But that was our view out the window that we were staying in. Um, that's his backyard. And it's absolutely stunning. It's so breathtaking. And we were like totally enamored with it for, I mean, the whole week. But the reality is like every, every new place we went in Alaska was just like, wait, what? Like, this is unbelievable. Um, yeah, we left there too thinking like, Alaska, it's only a six hour flight. You know, like, why do we not go there more often? You know, like, why, why should we not do that? It was so fun. It was so beautiful. Uh, a good sabbatical storytelling is not a good sabbatical storytelling without fish stories, right? So the boys and I went fishing. That was one of the key things we wanted to do. Uh, Otis nor I have ever caught a salmon. Otis caught the very first salmon in our family. I'd love to brag on my son for a bit. Can you see that thing? That's an that's a, that's a Alaskan sockeye that he caught in the Kenai River. Cast it all by himself, set the hook all by himself, reeled it in until he goes, Dad, I can't get this thing in. You need to take this pole. And so I did, and I, I helped him reel it in. He did the own bonking on the head. Uh, the next picture is a silver that I caught. Um, and we called that one, that was Mason's. So the first one was Otis's, this one was Mason's. And it's almost as big as him. And you can just look at that smile, just the beaming. Um, and a lot of the, the time with my sons was um, a lot of me learning to live into the reality of my belovedness and my brokenness. And I'll talk a little more about that later. But super fun to fish with them. And then this is a king salmon that I caught uh, on Mike's boat out in the Prince William Sound. We caught a couple big ones like this. And super fun. Again, you can just see Otis beaming. And um, some really sweet moments with my boys fishing there, which was great. And then uh, we did a, a Kenai Fjord like boat trip and we got to go see glaciers. And so this is our family freezing our butts off in front of this uh, glacier here. And uh, super fun. Ironically, like the week that we were there, it was 70s the whole week, absolutely beautiful, only a little bit of rain. And they told us, like, pack a jacket, pack warm for going to the glaciers. We're like, how cold could it be? So we packed sweatshirts, you know, and then we get there. We're like, oh, my gosh, like, freezing, stunning, beautiful, amazing. We want to go back to Alaska, at least the boys and I do. I think my wife does, too. Um, just we only got to see a little bit, um, and it's just, just breathtaking. Um, and then um, I think the last two pictures I have up there, I think, are uh, pictures of my tent. Um, I, one of the things that I got to do uh, was to just take some space of silence and solitude. And um, I just chose to grab my, my tent and my chair and, and go. And so this, I went out to the gorge one, one week for a couple days just to do some silence and solitude and begin to read and process and be with the Lord. Uh, and that was at the beginning of sabbatical. And then at the end of sabbatical, similarly, I just grabbed my tent and I went and sat. Uh, the next picture, I think, is the Nehalem River or next to the Nehalem River. 
uh, and again, just did some, some silence and solitude. And so just a, just a real gift um, this summer to, to get out in nature. I was reminded how much I, I know that I connect with God in nature, but just a real gift to get to do that and be reminded of how sweet that is for me and, and to engage in that. Um, and then, yeah, we just had little, we discovered Oaks Park, like for maybe for the first time ever. We, we like never been, you know, I think actually back in the day, Missio did an Oaks Park thing there like one, you know, and then I did a, like a, a, a company trip there one time, like a picnic when I was in corporate world. And um, other than that, it's like we've driven by it all the time. But on our way to pick up the RV, actually, Otis was like, Dad, can we go to Oaks Park? Because we, we had to pick it up in Selwood. And um, I was like, yeah, sure. Sometime this summer we'll go. And we kind of just, that led me to keeping my word because I told him yes in the car to going. We kind of just stumbled upon this little treasure that's Oaks Park. Um, especially when it's cer there's certain hours when it's just for preschoolers and it's really cheap and you get to go and then do mini golf and stuff. So really sweet little things like that. And um, Lost Lake. Anybody ever been to Lost Lake? Holy cow. We got lost going there, kid you not. So I'd encourage you to go, but try not to get lost as you go. And did you know there's two Lost Lakes? There's one by Mount Hood and there's on the, on the east side and there's actually one on the west side and out by the Nehalem River in that spot where I camped. There's actually another one called Lost Lake. Both of them have two... Lost Lake, the sign, Lost Lake Road. I was like, what in the world? But if you, usually if you Google Lost Lake, it's going to take you to the Mount Hood one, and it's absolutely stunning. Uh, and I'd encourage you to go if, if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I want to, that's kind of where we were. That's what we did uh, for the most part. We're just kind of relaxed and play um, as a family in different ways. Really refreshing, really restorative. And really, that was, that was the goal. Um, now I worked with, I've been working with a spiritual director for years, and I've worked with a mentor for the last couple of years. Both of them were pastors for over 20 years, and um, they were part of the process of helping me just kind of plan and map out my sabbatical so that it would be uh, restful, restorative, um, effective. And so, yeah, they, they had to, again, take, you know, try, try to get out of town at least once a month, you know, do silence and solitude to start your, your sabbatical and silence and solitude to end it so you can transition into both of those well. Um, they'd encourage me to, you know, just not have too high of expectations about what sabbatical actually would be in terms of like this super spiritual mountaintop for 90 days type thing when I have a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. Um, literally like one of the frustrating things, every book I've ever read about sabbatical, it's written by like these old gray hair people who like they do sabbatical when they don't have kids around them. And here I am with a four-year-old and a seven-year-old. So my sabbatical looked radically different actually than like people who are empty nesters and like could get away and have these week-long spiritual things, you know? Um, so I guess I, I share that to say sabbatical was amazing. It was also normal life. Do you know what I'm saying? Um, but it was in the midst of the more normal life that God met me. And that, that's kind of what I want to share with you about. Like, I don't want to paint this as it was this amazing supernatural thing. There were moments of that. But for the most part, it was day-to-day -day life. But God met me in the midst of it, again, reminding me and calling me uh, about just to abide in him in the midst of the reality of both my brokenness and my belovedness. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I thought I'd planned out a pretty good sabbatical. I'd planned out, you know, camps and things for the boys so that I wasn't doing daycare all summer. The reality is there aren't that many camps for a four-year-old, so Mason and I got to spend a good amount of time together. Um, I had a list of projects I wanted to complete around the house. Didn't do most of them. Had a list of books I wanted to read. Only got to finish three of them. Um, and I share all that to say this. <laughs> Week one of my sabbatical was COVID. The day before sabbatical started, I, uh, I started to not feel so well. Uh, second day of sabbatical, I tested positive. Otis had brought it home from school because he still had like a week left of school. And so literally my first week of sabbatical was COVID. 
Uh, second week of sabbatical was like the fogginess and the tiredness of getting over COVID. Those of you who had it may know what I'm talking about. So the third week of sabbatical is when I actually really got to like step in in the way that I had set up the expectation that I would be able to, you know. And what I found out in that third week was God was inviting me this summer to really wrestle with some of my compulsiveness. What are the ways that I'm compulsive? What are the ways that I'm controlling? What are the ways that I try to manage things out of fear or out of uh, worry? And again, it was this invitation really to relinquish control um, as one who is beloved. It was an invitation to uh, grow in my trust for Jesus. One day in that first week, really the third week, uh, as I was sitting there and had clear head and was able to engage the word, um, uh, God met me with Psalm 37. Yeah, Psalm 37, 23 and 24 says this. It says, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by their hand. And as I sat there at the beginning of sabbatical, um, feeling kind of frustrated and flustered that already the first two weeks hadn't gone as I had planned, and um, beginning to feel like, oh my gosh, I've lost two weeks already of these 90 days that are supposed to be awesome and restful. And, you know, just like all this stuff, like um, God just really clearly said to me, like, would you, would you relinquish control? And, and would, you, would you trust me? And would you trust that, that I do delight in every detail of your life, that, that I am involved, that I do care, that this thing that you're doing called sabbatical, that you've planned for, that you've prepped for, that you've prayed about, that you have outside support in, would you believe, though, that, that I'm the primary person that cares and desires and wants you to do this, and I delight in the details of it? So Dominic, would you, would you let go? You don't have to have control on everything. You don't need to have control on everything. Can you relinquish and really trust that I'm good? And that I've called you to this season just as much as I've called you to any other season. And so that was really freeing. It was an invitation to trust in grace, both for myself and for my family. Uh, it was an invitation to surrender, surrender my schedule, surrender my plans, uh, and believe that, that God in his unfailing love, again, was involved in the details of my life and that he was holding my hand through it, that he was going to be with us and guide us. Um, one of the things that happened in the way that God showed up that very next week because um, that next week was, it was our RV trip. And actually, as Otis and I were going to pick up the RV, uh, we're driving back, and it's just he and I. And I was just like, hey, we're in the RV. What do you think? And he's like, oh, this is so cool. And I was like, what are you excited for? And he's like, yeah, I'm excited just to get to go do it. And then he said, you know, and then we're driving after a little bit. And he goes, Dad, you know what, though? I said, what? And he said, you know, he goes, often we go camping, because we, we have this family that we camp with often, and they have a, they have a four-year-old, so like Mason and that one, and then they got like a two-year-old. And so Otis being the, and ends up being the, the oldest, and kind of caring for the kids. And sometimes he feels left out or he feels bored because he's you know, now this seven-year-old with these little kids. And so this family was, was doing half the trip with us. And he said, Dad, if I'm being honest, though, like, I kind of wish there was going to be some older kids that I could hang out with. Sometimes being the oldest on the camping trips is hard. And I said, buddy, I get that. I'm really sorry. you know. So we pull in uh, to Eugene, and we do it. And it's just our two families. We move from there. We go to Diamond Lake. And as we pull into Diamond Lake, we pull up. And it's amazing. We're a site right on the edge of the lake, um, this really big site. And there's kind of this log connected, and then there's this, this other site that's amazing, and there's this, there's this family there. And at first, I see it's like two kids, and they're kind of looking over at me, and I see, then I look back at them, and then they hide. And then like half an hour later, it's two more kids, and they're looking over. I'm like, wait, who are these? Like, is that the same kids? Is it different kids? I, couldn't, I honestly couldn't tell. 
And finally, the, we're all just kind of hanging out, and then the mom comes over, and she says, hey, sorry, I just want to apologize. Like, my kids have been creeping on you guys, and so I figured I'd just come and introduce. They really want to play with your kids. And I was like, oh, no, thank you. Like, we've kind of creeped too, and we, you know. And it turns out they, they had a seven-year-old boy. And not only a seven-year-old boy, but a nine-year-old boy. Not only a nine-year-old, but an 11-year-old boy. And no longer was Otis the oldest. And he and this little boy hit it off so much that they're still friends, and we actually did another impromptu camping trip with them. But it was one way which God showed me even just three days after reading that verse, that he really was involved in the details of, of my summer. Even though it started off radically different than I had thought, that he knew not just things that I needed, he knew what my older son needed. He, he cared. He was in the details. He was holding our hand in this process. And it was a way of God, again, showing up tangibly to say, Dominic, I'm here with you in the midst of your brokenness, and I want to show you your belovedness. Will you let me do that this summer? Will you relinquish control, and will you trust that I'm good? Will you trust that I'm with you and that I'm for you? And like I said, we ended up doing a, an impromptu camping trip with that family later. Um, they're from California, and they were spending 40 days camping around Oregon, um, and they've invited us to come down and visit them. And it's like this, just this beautiful, beautiful friendship, even that has lasted beyond, actually followers of Jesus, that lasted beyond just God's provision of like some older boys for Otis to run in the woods with beyond two days. You follow me? It was awesome. It was awesome, awesome. Um, so yeah, that, that, that was the beginning. And then um, we get back from that trip, and um, yeah, we had a few weeks before our next trip, and Otis had some camps. Uh, it's hard to find camps for four-year-olds, so I had more time with Mason, and he and I just, God did some healing in my heart in that, because what God did was he gave me this invitation uh, to a greater knowing of myself in order that I would live into a fuller relationship with him and with others. And for those of you that have gone through EHS, you know that that's a big part of the invitation. That's a big part of the process. Uh, share a couple of quotes with you, actually, that, or in, that have, one of them was shared in EHS, but one of them was shared in this book uh, that I read. Um, and St. Augustine said this, he said, Grant, Lord, that I may know myself, that I may know thee. Grant, Lord, that I may know myself in order that I may know thee. And if you spend any time reading any sort of contemplative spirituality um, or any really good theology over any amount of time, there's always this understanding that the reality is our, our faith journey is not just about knowing God, but it's about knowing ourselves in order that we might know God. And it's really impossible to grow in relationship with God if I don't know who I actually am. And vice versa, I can't truly know myself unless I know God. Because God created me, and he created me with beauty and intention. And if I really want to know who I am, I need to know who, who I am from the, the mouth of the Creator. And if I really want to know the creator, I've got to be honest about who I am, where I'm at, what's going on in my life, so that I can invite or so that I can receive his grace and, and respond to his invitations. And so uh, one of the best books that I read, and I would highly recommend it to anyone, is this book called The Gift of Being Yourself, The Sacred Call to Self-Discovery by, by David Benner. He's a spiritual director, a psychologist, um, really awesome book. The Gift of Being Yourself, The Sacred Call to um, Self-Discovery. The other book that I read that was really formative um, that I'd recommend uh, the Deeply Formed Life by Rich Velotis. Um, kind of had that one on my shelf for a long time, had started it, and then finally this summer finished it. And what I want to share with you in terms of kind of my, my deeper learnings, uh, a lot of it flows out of, out of Benner's book, this, this book called The Gift of Being Yourself, The Sacred Call to Self-Discovery. And so in there, he, he quotes uh, Thomas Merton. And Thomas Merton said this, he said, there's only one problem on which all my existence, my peace, and my happiness depend. It's to discover myself in discovering God. If I find him, I will find myself. And if I find my true self, I will find him. 
In follow-up to that, Benner was talking about in this, uh, this chapter, he says this on page 43 of his book, he says, transformational knowing of God comes from meeting God in our depths, not in the abstraction of dusty theological propositions. Transformational knowing of God comes from meeting God in our depths, not in the abstraction of dusty theological propositions. Now this quote caught my attention because uh, this summer I turned 42, which means I've been following Jesus now for 22 years. There's a lot of dust that can build up in 22 years. You know what I'm saying? I stepped into vocational ministry in 2004, part-time. Been doing it full-time since 2012. Been your lead pastor here now, I think, for about eight, eight and a half years. A lot of dust that can build up of theological propositions. And so God this summer was saying, son, you get three months where your title is not a pastor. Your role, the way you have to show up in places, it's not a pastor. And I want to get through some of those dusty theological propositions that you hold and talk to you about your brokenness and your belovedness. And so one of the things that God invited me to this summer was a stripping away of some of the false identity uh, that I have in order to live more fully in my identity in Christ. Um, in this book, um, Benner, um, he defines the, the core of the false identity as this. It's, it's placing our value in what I have, what I can do, and what others think of me. That our false identity at the core of it is all about what I have, what I can do, and what others think of me. And so this summer, as I mentioned, one of the things that, you know, Otis was in camps um, different times. Uh, we did some family trips, and when we weren't away, it was oftentimes Mason and I. And so I found myself with Mason, and we would go, yeah, to Oaks Park, or we would go to like a play place, or we'd go and we'd do certain things. And a good number of times, right in the beginning of July, I found myself walking into a place, and it was me and my four-year-old son, and I'd walk in, and guess who was mostly in that room? It was a bunch of women and their kids. And that, over and over again, that would happen. And there was one day where I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden I had a couple of thoughts in my head, and the thoughts were this. I wish one of them would just ask me what I do for a living so that I could tell them that I have a job and that I don't just spend all my days sitting around playing with my four-year-old son. And in response to that, like as I'm doing that, I, there was three things that came in response to that. One, how vain are you <laughs> that you think any of them is sitting around thinking and wondering what your role and job is and whether or not all you do is spend time with your four-year-old son all day. They're not, they don't care about you. Even your own four-year-old son doesn't care about you in this moment. He's off playing with other kids. So you're sitting here in your own vanity. Hello. The second thought was really quickly, what the heck kind of toxic masculinity do I have entangled into my identity that I sit here and I want to, I, I, one of the questions I want is this, please ask me what I do so that I can tell you that I'm a man that has a job and provides for my family and not just lovingly cares for my kid. And the third thing was, holy cow, I didn't realize how much of my identity is wrapped up in the number two, what I can do and what others think of me. I think one of the, um, what's the word? occupational hazards of my occupation is not that I'm going to stub my toe. It's not that I'm going to have my eyes go bad. It's not that I'm going to, you know, whatever, that, any, any of those type of things. But it's that my identity would begin to be wrapped up in who I, who I am stemming from what I do. Like that I'm a pastor, that I stand up here, and, and what people think of me, that there's applause and that there's approval or disapproval, and that that begins to weigh on me in such a way that I begin to think, 
I don't know who I am unless I have those things. Now, I've been following Jesus for 22 years, and I've come from a pretty broken place. I know that. God's done some pretty amazing work in, in saving me and restoring me. And I've always thought I lived pretty well in my identity in Christ. And then you guys said, go take sabbatical. It'll be good for you. And what I found is that, yeah, God wanted to meet me in the depths of my brokenness, not in these theological dusty platitudes. And I think one of the greatest gifts of sabbatical has been exactly that. That God has got, it, it, need, it took sabbatical for there to be a quieting of some things, some removing of some things, for me to be in a place where I would sit and rest and trust and be in a place where he could talk to me about different aspects of my identity, of who I am, again, the, the core of my belovedness and my brokenness, and allow him to meet me there and, and, and call me higher up into his grace, call me to live more fully in the reality of, of his love. And for that, I'm, I'm really, really grateful. See, if you think about those things, what I have, what I can do, what others think of me, really those are aligned very clearly. If you think about Matthew 4 and Jesus' temptation, uh, there's a correlation to each of those, right? That the devil was coming at him, trying to get Jesus not to live into his identity as the beloved Son of God that had a very clear mission and a work to do, but to try to derail him by challenging him on what he had, what he could do, and what others thought of him. And this summer, that's, that's where I found my place, kind of in a similar desert at times, if you will. And Benner goes on to say this about the false self versus living in the realities of the full self. He says, uh, God's deepest desire for us is to replace our fig leaves with garments of durability and beauty. God's deepest desire for us is to replace our fig leaves with garments of durability and beauty. Now, of course, if you're familiar with Scripture, what he's talking about is you know, Genesis 3, 21, right? After the fall, Adam and Eve, for the first time, they, they felt their nakedness. And so what did they do is they, they grabbed fig leaves and they covered themselves. Why? Because for the first time in all of humanity, they felt shame because they knew that they were naked and they felt vulnerable. And ever since the fall, each one of us is born with the realities, unfortunately, of nakedness, vulnerability, and shame. So this summer, God invited me uh, to step into one of the deepest longings of his heart in order to set my heart more free. See, and what I discovered is, why, why is, why is this one of God's deepest desires? Why is replacing the fig leaves and these garments uh, that are fleeting and replacing them with durability, why, why is that one of God's deepest longings for us? I think it's this. It's, it's because Adam and Eve's first response to their, again, awareness was to grab for whatever was closest and quick in order to help cover their nakedness. And these things become attachments. Benner would say that they undermine our freedom because they make our contentment and our joy dependent on their presence. And attachments are ways of coping with feelings of vulnerability, of shame, of inadequacy that lie at the core of our false sense of being. And I think this summer, one of the things that God did was uh, strip away the, the identity pieces of being a pastor in order for me really to learn how to live into being a beloved son who is the husband of a wife and the father of two boys. You guys have heard me over the time of being a parent talk about just my own father wounds and the ways that that impacts my parenting. Uh, and again, coming from a broken home and the impact that has on my marriage. And I feel like this summer, there's a lot of ways, again, that God just put the spotlight, not on my kids, not on my wife, but on me and my own heart and, and, and caused me to realize and go, you have brokenness in these areas that I still want to heal. And to hear God say that on one hand, honestly, was so scary but on the other hand, so freeing. Because if you were to ask me what's one of the deepest longings of my heart, 
It's to be more fully whole. It's to be more healed and restored from the brokenness that I grew up in, the brokenness of choices that I made, to have my heart be more free and to live more fully in the identity. So this summer against that was that invitation. And one day I'm sitting there and I'm wrestling with all of this in July. And um, I'm thinking through, yeah, ways that um, I just, I, I want to be healed to, to be a better husband, ways that I want to be healed to be a, a better father, ways that I want to be healed to, to show up and, and to be a better friend and to be a better pastor and different things. And um, I was sitting there and I was wrestling still sometimes with this, this sense of like, oh, I wish I could go do something. And there was times, like I said, I, I had projects mapped out and I got some of them done, but there were other times like I felt like I, was, I wanted to go do them and I just felt like this clear, nope, don't do that today. I'm not letting you do that today. And I was like, okay, I'll relinquish control. And so one morning I'm sitting there and I'm wrestling again with all these things, brokenness, and I feel this. Deep in my soul, I hear God say to me, as you sit here, you are loved. As you sit here, you are loved. And it spoke to something in the core of my heart in a way that I really needed and I was longing for. Because again, I don't think I realized how much my identity was wrapped up in the things that I can do. And at times this summer, I thought, I want to go do this. I want to go do that. I want to go do this. And God was saying no. Or get wrapped up in other people's approval or applause or things like that. And what God spoke in my soul was, this, you don't have to do anything but just sit here. And as you sit here, you are loved. Kel, I don't have a timer, so I don't know where I'm at. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of wrap this up. So here's, here's my takeaways then. Here's, here's my application before I invite you into this with me. Um, one of the things that I learned this summer in a, in a new way uh, is that God is really serious about our rest because he's really serious about our restoration. God is really serious about our rest because he's really serious about our restoration. And again, I think there's certain things that God would not have or could not have gotten my attention in in just the daily rhythms of life, um, areas of restoration that I needed because I, I just wasn't stopping long enough even to be in a place to hear him. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, as I step back in, um, I feel God's invitation and reminder, and not necessarily new, but a new depth of understanding of it, that I, I want to work from, from a place of rest, that, that my Sabbaths on, on Mondays, you know, and enjoy that. Um, Mason will be in preschool for the first half of my Mondays now, which is great. It'll also be in school full time. So I'm going to have like these new three, four hour window where like my, sabbatical, my Sabbaths for the first time can be like a day when I'm not with kids and that sort of thing. I'm looking forward to that. And what's going to be my challenge, honestly, is to not take that three, four hours and go do stuff and go, I don't have a kid. You know what I mean? But to go, how am I actually using that in obedience and in trust and in rest so that I can step in with my family the rest of that day and then also with you guys and lead from, from a place of rest. So I want, to, I want to work from a place of rest. I also want to work from a place of, of identity, work from a place of being more wholly grounded in my, my identity uh, in Christ. Um, I, I love you all. You guys are all dear to me. Uh, I helped plant and birth this community and have been on this journey with you all. And so you guys mean a, a real lot to me. But there's ways in which God's reminding me their thoughts about you aren't, don't define you. <laughs> uh, just some more healthy boundaries within my own head and my own heart about who I am to you all and who you are to me. Um, to work from a place of an identity that, that's founded in 
knowing that as I sit, wherever I sit, I'm loved. Um, the other thing that, that I want to do is I, I know I need to continue just in that journey of healing, of, of you know, growing in my relationship with, with my wife and, and with, with my boys. And so um, another book that I read was, uh, it, dealt, it dealt with uh, what's called IFS, Internal Family Systems, uh, which is a, way, a counseling a model. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to explore, like, you know, although I work with a spiritual director and I've used to work with a counselor in the past, like, I think there's a way God got my attention. And, you know, there's stuff from my family of origin that's still there. Those of you that have been through uh, EHS, you'll remember potentially that um, Schizero says often this, like, Jesus might live in your heart, but Grandpa lives in your bones. You guys remember that? Right? Jesus might live in my heart, and he has for the last 22 years. And he's, he's transformed a lot. But the reality is I'm, I'm a product also of generations and generations of, of men that are driven and work hard and toxicity and all kinds of stuff and brokenness. So Jesus does. He lives in my heart. By his grace, he's, he's transformed me quite a bit. But the reality is grandpa does live in my bones. And, and there's ways that, that grandpa needs to leave. There's, there's new ways that grandpa needs to leave. Not out of disrespect, but because what grandpa passed down was not the ways of Christ and his kingdom. It was the ways of his own stuff. So, um, yeah, I'm going to look for um, finding a, a counselor just to process through some of the stuff, that stuff more because as I think about what do I want from 42 in the next, you know, however long, what, what, who do I want to be? What do I want to become? Um, so i got some work to do. Um, so here, here, here's my invitation to you. Again, I, I, think, I think that the journey that I got to go on wasn't just my own, but it's ours communally to a degree because of the interdependence of of the relationship that we have as members of the body of Christ. And I want to invite you guys to think about a couple of questions. I've, I've shared with you, I've had a lot of time to reflect, and so maybe it's not fair, but I want to ask you guys, like, how, how has God been trying to get your attention this summer? You know, as I come back in, I've tried to come in with a posture of a listener and a learner, and I've just been asking people about their summers and what's been going on. And I know a lot of people took vacations and did the normal stuff that we do in summer, and even more so because we finally had a summer where we felt like we could go do it, right? But I'd, I'd encourage you to think about this. How's God been trying to get your attention this summer? What's, what's he inviting you to? And where are the places that he's inviting you to experience new levels of grace? And maybe you'll take time and you'll think, and it has to do with something that happened this summer. Maybe some of my own honesty and learning since morning like prompt you to go, oh yeah, like God's been trying to lovingly talk to me about that as well, but I've just been running from it or pushing it. Um, and, and how are you going to respond? How are you going to respond to grace? Um, you know, this morning as we, as we close up, um, I'm going to, you know, Kelly's going to come and lead us in worship, but I, I want to I pray for us. Um, and Kel, before you do that, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give us, I want to invite us to, to two minutes of just silence, two minutes of contemplation. I love, I've, I've been working through the, the, the series uh, from this summer on prayer, and I love uh, the talk that Vicky gave to, that Joel gave to first open up that series about Holy Spirit and who he is in our lives and his presence and that Vicky gave about the entry posture and just wanting to be people who grow and listening to the Lord, not just always talking at him, but listening. You know, and this morning I've, I've stood up here and I've, I've kind of talked at you now for a bit. And I want to give some space. I want to give us two minutes for the Lord to, to speak for us, for you to listen. Because again, I, I believe anytime we're in the hearing of anybody, we have the chance to learn from one another and for God to be a part of that conversation as well. And so um, we're going to do, yeah, kind of two minutes of that. But I just, I want to pray. Um, and invite the Lord to, to allow us all, even myself, in reflection of this, just to, just to say, Lord, where, where are you speaking? What are you speaking to me? You know, one of the things that, uh, again, 
over the years having kids, I've realized, right, we, we celebrate January 1 as like the start of the new year, right? But the start of the new year really is when? It's whenever school starts. Yeah, I see even those who don't have kids or that have old grown kids re responding, yeah, like that's when traffic pick backs up, that's when vacation is done, you enter into fall rhythms and it's sports and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, right now we're at this kind of this transition, you know what I'm saying? And I think at New Year's we often say, hey, let's take time to reflect and it's good, we should. But I think that's probably should be like maybe the second reflection after the first one that comes here at fall when everything ramps back up. And so even just as an invitation for us as a community in the posture, I believe God would invite all of us to take for the fall. I want us to take two minutes and just, just listen, okay, to what the Lord is saying. So let me pray to that end. Um, God, we thank you this morning for the opportunity and the chance to be here together, gathering as your kids, gathering as your family. God, we know we're not alone in this, but by your grace, we're joining in with two billion other people around the world that have set this day aside out of obedience and out of reverence and out of desire, God, to come and to worship you, to come together, to meet with you, God, to hear uh, from your heart. And so God, we thank you for that. I pray that, yeah, the things that I shared that, that are from your heart, would it resonate with your children here in this room? And would you use it to be fruitful? God, as we enter into fall, yeah, things pick up fast. and We're pushed by our culture and our society constantly to produce and do more and achieve. And God, ironically, this weekend with the fires and everything, we're we're seeing actually the fruit of that, that our constant drive for production and everything, literally creation is crying out and longing for the day that you will return and longing for the day that things in this world will be restored back to your love and your rhythms and the ways of your kingdom. So God, I pray that you would lead and guide us this fall, starting with myself, to live more fully in our identity as your beloved children even as we acknowledge more authentically the reality of our brokenness. Thank you, God, for your loving kindness. Thank you for your faithfulness. And I pray that out of your mercy, God, would you shine the light of your love on the places of my life and on our lives that, God, you are not done yet, where you want to continue to draw us into your heart and to bring healing and to bring freedom, to bring redemption in order that we might walk more fully in the reality of our belovedness as your kids. God, I pray this morning as we sit even in two minutes of silence, God, I, I don't know where everyone here is coming from this summer or even this morning, but Lord, I pray that you would speak to them the reality that as they sit here this morning, they are loved. So God, we welcome you in these next few minutes to continue to speak and to minister to us as your kids. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your loving kindness to us. I pray this in your name.